I think I'm going to have to change the sermon to coveting because I'm coveting his hair right now. <laughs> Feeling convicted. Uh, it's uh, so uh, so good. So, it's such a privilege to be here. I um, I'm going to get a drink of water. I think that um, the reason that um, Pastor Josh, Brother Josh, Josh, actually I like to call him Ludy Lou, so um, uh, I think the reason he asked me to come speak uh, the Sunday before he uh, is going to speak is because he just really wanted to set the bar low so that when he comes back, <laughs> you're all like, wow, we've just missed your preaching so bad. That guy last Sunday was tough. Um, now, uh, now, I do want it to be noted that I'm pretty sure he doesn't wear a three-piece suit very often, um, and I did, so make sure he, know, he knows that I dressed up better than him normally. Uh, uh, but the truth is, is that the reason I'm wearing a vest is just to help protect the shirt from popping a button, because uh, I don't fit in this as well as I used to, so... Um, but yeah, I'm Jack. Uh, I got to be the men's director at Clarity for it's coming on seven years already. Uh, it's a it's an awesome, awesome ministry. I know you all uh, know a lot about uh, Clarity. In fact, this is one of the first times I've got to speak in recent history and not just be talking about Clarity. So this has been uh, a you know neat experience to get to uh, go back to just preaching. Um, and, uh, but we just love the support that you all give, uh, to Clarity, uh, and then just uh, even allowing, uh, Brother Josh to be able to, uh, serve as our chair, chairman, uh, on the board. Like, that's just a, man, what an answer to prayer he is, just what a gift he is to Clarity. Um, he's, I know you all know him, I know you all know how genuine he is, but, um, he's, he's fantastic. The, the amount of time that he spends coming in and praying on site at Clarity and the other ways that he's been involved. He's been a huge fan of helping out with the men's uh, program since, uh, since the beginning of me being there. So uh, I know you all love him very much, but we love him very much at uh, Clarity as well. So uh, if anybody knows me, they know one thing about me, is, at least in recent history, that I love to go camping. Uh, I love to get outside. Um, and so just quick show of hands and be honest here. Who loves camping? Who loves to get outside? Okay. All right. Now, do you, uh, is it camping or is it glamping? <laughs> now, I see a lot of people these days that they got the RV with the air conditioning and all the things. Uh, so raise your hand if you are a glamper. You prefer to have all the, okay, okay, thanks for your honesty. All right, what about if you're a camper? You want to be in the tent, you want to be on the ground, that kind of thing. All right, now keep your hand up if you love to do like what's called primitive camping. Like you got hardly, you know, you got a tent maybe, uh, and that's about it. No electricity, nothing. Awesome, awesome. I got one person. Awesome. Oh, we got one. Good, good. That's, uh, oh, there we go. Good. Because uh, that actually is my favorite. Some people call it wild camping, primitive camping, dispersed camping. Uh, but to me, the most fun thing is to get somewhere that it seems as untouched as possible, preferably I don't have a cell phone signal, and uh, just be able to just set up a little tent and uh, just enjoy the nature all around me. Uh, if I can be somewhere where, uh, you know, I can't, I, I can't even hear anyone else or hear anything human-made, you know, then that's the best that can be. Um, I love that kind of camping. 
And a, year, a few years ago, uh, well, a few, quite a, well, more than just a few uh, years ago, actually, towards the beginning of me starting at Clarity, um, I was doing this thing called an adventure retreat for my guys, uh, the different men that were dads that were part of the program. And so I'd worked out with this, uh, with, uh, in different planning, uh, and with this guy that owns some land near the Red River Gorge, which if you're familiar, Red River Gorge is one of the best places around. And uh, I had um, arranged with this guy who had private land surrounded by the protected land of the Red River Gorge. So we're talking like just unbelievably out there in the middle of nowhere. In fact, it was so remote that he had a key that worked with the, uh, um, like the actual um, Res- uh, not reservation, <laughs> you know, the, the park's uh, gates. So it was, a, it was a road you weren't even allowed to go, a normal person couldn't even go past. And I had a key to this gate to get to stay at this place. And he charged $200 a night to just camp on that land uh, through Airbnb. And I just told him what we were doing, and he gave us access to the space for free uh, because of the men's ministry I was doing. And uh, so I was extremely excited to get to go on this uh, camping trip, so much to the fact that I needed to do what they call familiarization trip. Uh, I needed to go before the event and just make sure I knew the area, right? And uh, so me and my buddy, we were going to go, and it was fall. It was just about as good as it gets when it comes to camping. Um, And last minute, uh, something came up with his work, and uh, he couldn't go. And I'd had a little bit of, I was going through a little bit of a, kind of a lung problem. I had a persistent cough kind of thing. So I almost decided to not go myself. I was like, no, this is too sweet of an opportunity. This is too amazing. Uh, I need to go. So I decided to go ahead and go on this camping trip. Uh, by my, you know, so I'm by myself camping, which I've done before. So that was, you know, that was exciting. Uh, but, you know, you have to be a little more cautious when you're going to be that remote and by yourself. Uh, but I felt like I was prepared. And... Um, as I head up that weekend, and I'm loading up, at, at that time I had an off-road vehicle that I loved. Let's have a moment of silence for me not having a Jeep anymore. Okay, I'll try to go on. Um, and so, so I get there, and it had turned out that it had been so dry recently that there was a burn ban. So I'm setting up camp, and I'm like, well, I can't have a fireplace. And I had one of those little bitty, you know, propane stove, so I, you know, did my cooking on that for the meal that night. But I don't know, has anybody ever camped during a burn ban? Have you, anybody ever, like out west it's common, but okay. The thing that makes camping camping is the campfire, right? (laughs) So then you're just sitting in the dark, and I'm like, I don't think this is camping, I think I'm just homeless tonight. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and, and again, very remote. So, like, no, you know, like, the only light was if I turned on, you know, the moon wasn't out. So, I mean, it was like, if I turned on a flashlight, that I had light, that was it. And so, I'm just sitting there a while, and I'm like, okay, I'm not getting the normal experiences here, sitting around the fire. So, I, I was getting, getting kind of sleepy, and then I'll admit, it was getting spooky. You know, I'm sitting there alone in the middle, middle of nowhere, and uh, there's no fire. The fire, it's amazing how much the fire brings comfort uh, when you're camping. So I got a little spooked, and I said, you know, and I was in bear country, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get, I was camping in the back of my uh, uh, Land Cruiser uh, SUV, so I had everything set up in the back there, so I just went ahead and got in there, and uh, was just going to go to bed early, and uh, so I fall asleep, you know, everything's fine, and then I wake up to this, uh, uh, 
And I'm like, what is going on? And so instantly I'm like, that's a bear. There's a bear outside. Like I hadn't, I had a bear box, but I mean, you know, I hadn't like food, I ate food right next to my vehicle and all that. So, you know, I was like, okay, he smells what I ate. Oh my gosh, there's a bear there. And I'm like, I'm in a car. This is okay. But I hear, and I'm like, so I go to, I kind of roll over. I had the bear spray and other defenses. I'll just say that. Uh, right over there, and I go rolling over to make sure I could get to the bear spray. And then I'm like, and I hear, but now it was coming from the other side of the vehicle. And I'm like, what is it? Am I surrounded? And then I sat there for, I roll back over, just trying to get my bearings, and I'm really freaking out. And then I realized the bear was me. It was my breathing was so bad. (laughs) It was so silent, and uh, my breathing was so bad that uh, I was the bear. Um, which was not the first time that I've been called a bear. So uh, all that to say is I really love camping, but there are times that we get scared, right? Especially if you get out, like, is there anybody that's, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but can anybody relate to you've potentially been so scared of bugs or so annoyed by bugs and all the things that happen when you're outside? Yeah, (laughs) that you're like, I'm not even going. I don't like camping. I don't want to go. Please don't make me, right? Um, you know, like I'd much rather do a vacation some other way, somehow, please, please, please. Um, but the thing that we need to remember is that, or the thing that I found interesting about that is there's something actually in scripture about camping, uh, and the fear that we can have even when we're camping. Um, and I got really excited when I discovered this, that, uh, there is a scripture that says we get to go camping. Uh, one day. Uh, so this is pretty, pretty great. So Ezekiel, we're going to be out of Ezekiel 34 today. And uh, towards the bottom half of that paragraph, uh, that section, uh, starting at verse 25. And um, we're going to highlight a few things. So, um, so just keep that open uh, the, rest of the rest of the time. But it says in Ezekiel 34, and for this part I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, I will make a covenant of peace with my people, and I will drive away the dangerous animals from the land. They will be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. We get to go camping with Jesus someday. Like, that's so cool. Like, that was one of the biggest uh, revelations for me. Like, just the concept of one day when he comes back, you know, new heaven, new earth, like, it just dawned on me. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to get into theology. I'm definitely not uh, a theologian by any stretch. Uh, but it just dawned on me. I was like, the new earth very well will have the best version of the Yellowstone. It very well will have the best version of how the, you know, uh, the Grand Canyon was meant to be. You know, like, the, the things that we, all the God's beauty that we see in nature, like, it just makes sense that if he's restoring all things new, that that's going to be the best version. And so uh, that's, that's a really exciting thought to me to get to think that, I, you know, I could be, you know, spending time with Jesus in, uh, in heaven, uh, on the new heaven, new earth, with, you know, and getting to enjoy his beauty. Because um, the nature has really been something that God has used in me to uh, really make a difference, uh, really help me understand him. And uh, But before I get into that, I want to just uh, focus on that passage there, uh, verse 25, Ezekiel 34, 25. Um, 
the first thing to talk about there with, uh, with 30, chapter 34 there is the first part talks about, uh, it's a real big strong word to the leaders, uh, referred to as the shepherds uh, of uh, God's people there. And uh, I'm not going to go into that today, but I just will say that if you are a leader in any way, shape, or form in the church, in the community, uh, if you have any responsibilities, uh, which is most of us, I highly encourage you to read the first part of uh, Ezekiel 34 uh, because it's got some really strong words for us to always keep keep in mind, keep in the back of our heart, back of our keeping our mind, keeping our heart. Um, but to summarize a lot of that, it base uh, up before 20 uh, verse 25 to basically summarize that. Um, it basically they had allowed lots of selfishness and sin. Uh, just the concept of just generation after generation dismissing God, that um, it, it had completely wrecked the country. It had completely wrecked the people of God. Um, and they had been forced into exile. They'd been taken over by Babylon, forced in, and they were in a really rough shape. And most of Ezekiel is talking about the judgment that is coming upon them and the punishment that they're receiving for, for generations turning their back on God and dismissing him. But then we get to a really important special part where God's starting to talk about how it's not always going to be that way. He has, he is a God of mercy. He's a, a God of, uh, of making things new, of restoring broken things. And uh, just to jump up for a second there in verse 22, he says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Uh, there are 22 through 24. So our new shepherd, it says David, that's in the line of David. That's Jesus. And we're familiar with multiple scriptures, uh, both in the O and Old, and especially the New Testament, that talk about Jesus as the great shepherd. Um, I think that's a concept that we're, you know, we're, we can really relate to. But... Uh, we have to, sometimes I think, you know, when you've been raised with it, if you've heard those stories over and over, they begin to kind of gloss over and you don't really think through the details of what it means, uh, what the scripture's saying. So to look at 25 again, I just want to read this. Forgive me, but I read scripture slowly because I guess I'm, it takes me a while for it to sink in. Um, but I think it's important for us to take our time with God's word. Uh, verse 25. I will make with them a covenant of peace, will banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. So there at the beginning, we're seeing a promise of peace, that God's renewing this broken covenant made with Abraham. So going all the way back to Genesis, God had promise, promises to his people. And even though they had broken that promise over and over and over and over, what does he do? He keeps renewing that covenant, doesn't he? It's so important for us to realize that. Don't just know that in our minds, but to realize that in our hearts, to realize that with each other, that God's just his patience with us, his willingness uh, uh, just to continually work with us uh, through our struggles. And then, of course, that promise of peace is ultimately the gospel, that, you know, this, that Jesus is the hero of the story. Um, and that concept of like, okay, uh, especially if you are like, okay, I don't care about camping. Why does this first mean it, mean anything to me? Uh, that idea of living safely in the wilderness, 
uh, it says that he's going to expel, he's going to banish the evil beasts. Um, I don't know about you, but I have some beasts in my life. There's been some outside things that have tried to take me out over the years. There's been some things that have tried to uh, hurt my family, uh, and specifically the enemy. Uh, it, he, he wants to kill, still kill and destroy, right? Uh, there are evil things out there that, are come, that have, uh, have attacked me and my family that I have to prevent, I have to fight to prevent them from hurting my family. Um, and so when I read a passage there, that says that he is with me, that he is going to protect me in the wilderness to the point that I can rest. I mean, to be able to sleep in the woods soundly, you know, that's, you are fearless, right? You have no fear. Uh, and they were able there to uh, um, really rest in peace. But again, the reason I bring up the nature and the camping and just getting to spend isn't just to have, a, I mean, it was a fun story to tell the bear story. Uh, I love telling that one, but uh, it's it's especially special for me. Um, I grew up uh, just in the living in the woods. It just so happened I got to have a house that had 11 acres behind it of just woods and a spring and all kinds of stuff. And so I got the opportunity to just grow up with in that. Um, and I, I grew up just me there for a long time. It was just me and my mom, and the woods were. It's where God really met me, uh, just getting to spend time uh, in nature. And as I was, you know, I was real involved in the church. I grew up at Northside Baptist, and my grandfather was a huge influence on me and grandpa and grandmother. Um, and so just learning God's word and then just how God would speak through his creation, how he would just have, I'd have those moments of just awe, uh, of just, uh, you know, just really just, a deep connection, learning to have as a child and a young young person, learning to have a deep connection with God. Um, just countless times where uh, God would meet me there. Um, in fact, one of the things that I love to do was um, I would, uh, I love to stand at the end of my driveway uh, and watch the sunset. Um, in Kentucky, we have lots of lush trees and vegetation. So actually finding a spot where you can really see the sunset in the horizon is a little hard. Um, and there was a big field across the road and I looked on a country road. And I would stand out near my mailbox and watch the sunset. And uh, I even, a few times, people stop and be like, do you need a ride? <laughs> Whatever. I'm like, I'm just, uh, I don't oh, know. Actually, it got to the point where people would come by and I would pretend I was getting the mail. And, <laughs> and then like, you know, because, you know, it was a quiet road. And... But that's where God really started talking to me. Um, that's where I really began to understand him. Uh, you're talking about Camp Schaefer. That's, I accepted the call to ministry at Camp Schaefer um, when, I was, uh, when I turned 18. Uh, it went, I was a counselor for both the, uh, as a children's counselor, but then they were short a person. And uh, so I ended up helping out um, as a counselor with the youth, with the middle schoolers. Uh, and that was a big moment for me, and set, set up till three in the morning with Tree Acres, uh, talking about what it would mean to have a God job. And so that, that early age, I was really excited. Um, I was really excited about the Lord. I really was passionate about the Lord. I had so many God-sized dreams. Um, so I went to school, went to Campbellsville University, 
and I really struggled academically. I've never been a great student, uh, but doing the college thing really was hard on me. Um, I squeezed a four-year degree into seven years. <laughs> and, uh, and at this time, I can laugh about it, right? But those were some really hard times. There was some real, mo I lost some scholarships, uh, had to get more student loans. Um, that was there was some real depression, some real hard times there. Um, and so the more that that would happen, the more I thought I had to prove myself, right? The more I, I thought I had to convince myself, the more I wouldn't really let myself be comfortable being alone with my thoughts, the more failures I experienced, the more struggle I had. Um, then um, as I uh, got older, started full-time ministry, got married, started a family, I got very busy serving church. I had this lie in my head that I had to really prove myself and I always felt like I wasn't professional enough to be, uh, a, you know, serving in the church, to be a professional pastor, minister, whatever. Um, I, I always believed this lie that I wasn't good enough for it. And then one day people were going to realize and I wasn't going to get to do this anymore. Um, and so I was always trying to impress. I went through and then that caused me basically to become a fake person. I kind of had my face, right, that I would wear. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that, you know, especially sometimes when we come to church, we put on that happy face, uh, the face that everything's okay, but deep down we're really, really struggling. And I even got to the point that it was really hard on my marriage. I began to start struggling with addiction. Um, and But at the same time, I was like at church 24-7. I actually went six months uh, without taking a day off. Um, until I finally, my wife pointed that out to me that how off, you know, I was on my priorities. Um, so I got to the point that I realized I had to stop. I had to stop and I had to get help. And so I stepped down from ministry and I began going to counseling. I began, uh, you know, seeking help through different therapies and different stuff, just talking to people, uh, working with, uh, other ministers, uh, to just work through my issues, uh, work work through the problems. And I really did start finding some healing. That, uh, so that was a, a praise. There really was some stuff going there. But sometimes I think we expect, uh, in church, we expect to have these really fancy t testimonies where it's like, my life was horrible, I was this awful sinner, and then boom, I'm saved and everything's perfect, right? Uh, but that was not it at all. It was an increments. It was I uh, was able to, uh, you know, Get, get over a lot of the problems I was struggling with, but I still had a lot to work through in my life. Um, I, in fact, there was a passage later on in Isaiah 61 where it says he's rebuilding the old ruins, and where I was working at the time, it was downtown, and they were remodeling one of these old buildings downtown, and they, to do it right, they had to rip out all the, um, all the electricity, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, uh, the structure, all that had to be ripped out so they could rebuild it the right way. And every time I'm walking by it, God's going, that's what I'm doing with you right now. Like, I know this is hard. I know it's taken a long time, but I'm ripping out the old stuff so that we can build on a real foundation. We can build on truth and, and we can start it right. And so I slowly started to find some breakthrough. St so slowly started to find some uh, healing there. And then I got really started to experience some breakthrough when I... Um, really began to get truly honest with myself and God and be willing to go as deep as I can about any issue. 
uh, and not try to gloss over things and pretend it wasn't there. Uh, and then something pretty remarkable happened is um, uh, this was a few years ago, of course, like eight, eight now, ten, somewhere in there. Uh, y'all may remember when it was announced that Southeast was going to build a campus uh, here in E-Town. And just through a connection, I'd been uh, connected to uh, someone had said because of I'd, I'd been doing some entrepreneurial stuff downtown and I'd previously been a minister. Uh, I was asked to, by somebody at Southeast, um, just to, one of the members that had served on a committee to put in my resume uh, for the campus or for the uh, connections pastor, community pastor. And um, at first I wasn't going to do it because I believed the lie that I was not supposed to do professional ministry anymore, right? And I won't go into the whole story, uh, but God used that for about five, six months of really bringing me back to him. Because the gist was, is I made it all the way to the final interview and walked, you know, talking to the big dogs. You know, this is, Southeast is a big church, so it was crazy experience. And they had just, uh, they just had had so much encouragement for me in the process, and I just felt reminded of my call and it just the process was just really a huge growth for me and then I make it to the last interview uh, walk out feeling great and then I get a phone call uh, later that day saying that uh, they uh, they you know we weren't going to take it any further they were going to look for someone else for the position and I'd I'd even well I'm trying to keep this quick and um, lots of God moments so it's it's hard to summarize and um that was a big deal, you know, as I was pretty disappointed, right? You know, I thought I was going to get to, you know, I got to the place where I got to start building that in my heart. And, uh, and then they told me no, uh, but they said, we don't normally do this, but the guy that was going to been, would have been my supervisor, he wants to have coffee with you. And I was like, okay. So we had coffee and he was amazing. He just said, I don't want you to be discouraged by this. Uh, we genuinely, uh, he's like, I wanted you in the position. We just could tell the Holy Spirit was telling us to go a different direction. And so he was so encouraging. So that helped. That kept me there. And fast forward a little bit, uh, I ended up, uh, that's when I found out about uh, the position at Clarity. Uh, And I'd been serving on the board there, but then uh, thankfully I wasn't at the meeting where they decided to uh, uh, bring the, uh, uh, make the men's program director a full-time position. (laughs) Uh, So I didn't have to vote on my own position. Uh, But I put in my, you know, name there and and came on board as the men's director at Clarity. Uh, And then there's a whole other awesome God story about who ended up, uh, Chris Garrett, who ended up in that position and what amazing job he's doing. Uh, But all that to say is that God used that process and what seemed like, you know, a really big letdown at the end, God, that was God's plan to just finally get it in my head, and forgive me if this sounds like too prideful, but it's hopefully it makes sense to you. God was like, the fifth largest church in the country is interested in you being a pastor, Jack. Would you please stop believing the lie that you're not good enough? And it finally clicked. Um, and, uh, and so there was, a, there was a huge moment for me. Um, the pieces, uh, the puzzle pieces started coming together and the main, uh, and there also was a part where I began to uh, build around me some guys that I call my band of brothers, um, and uh, just men that would speak into my life, and I would speak into theirs. Uh, I was, if you're familiar with the book Wild at Heart, 
I got to go on a, a Wild at Heart retreat, and that did a huge thing in me, growing me. Um, I was real involved at a, a retreat center called Cleft Rock that I highly recommend. Let me know if you ever want to do a retreat there. And um, I also really started to work on my mental health. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, of making sure people uh, realize that you've got to take care of your mental health just like you take care of your physical health. And that's, you know, possibly seeing a psychiatrist, you know, going to a counselor, taking mental health medication. Uh, that's important. That's something that God has put in place for us to, to help us through issues. And all that was the shepherd coming after me. Uh, all that was the shepherd that wanted to bring me back into the fold. Um, as a, if you look back at uh, Ezekiel 34 and uh, verse 26, he says, I will make with them a place around my heel a blessing, and I will cause showers to come down in their season. They will be showers of blessing. Also, um, the tree of the field will yield its fruit, and the earth will yield its increase, and they will be secure in their land. Then they will know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bars of their yokes, and have delivered them from the hands of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be prey to the nations, and the beast of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely. No one will make them afraid. I will establish them a renowned planting place, and they will not again be victims of famine in the land, and they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore. So just, I just want to catch, want you to catch that. Well, actually, I'm going to go on to verse 30 as well. And then they will know that I, I the Lord their God, I, I am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. As for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are my people, and I am your God, declares the Lord, Lord God. And so I just want us to notice that in that situation, they experience, they begin to experience his blessing, and they get to experience his freedom, the breaking from uh, the chains, breaking from the yoke, breaking from slavery. They're, they're experiencing his, his provision, his blessing. They're uh, experiencing rescue and deliverance. And then that allows them to experience belonging. That it allows them to know that they are God's people. And... Um, and just that's how it is so often with us. Um, but I think we make the mistake of thinking that we often make the mistake of thinking we got to get it all figured out, right? And then um, we'll get close to God. You know, we got to get it figured out on our end. But that's not how he works. He is the one who does the work. He's the one who comes and finds a lost sheep. He's the one who, even though sometimes it takes so long he is working in all these ways, in all these situations to bring us back to him. And it's not a one-time thing. I th that's where I really messed up, is that I thought, you know, I would, I would have a struggle. I would get to, you know, and I would get my stuff together, and I would really start to experience God in a fresh way. And I felt like, you know, I was finding victory, but then I would stumble again. I would mess up. I would struggle uh, again. I would basically be a sheep that got scattered again. I got scared and ran away again. Um, and what's he do? He keeps coming. He keeps coming for us. And, he, and so in that process of him 
continually coming for us, continually bringing us back to him, that's when we know that we know that we know that we belong to him. And so this idea that we're too far gone or there's been too many mistakes made, that uh, too many failures, that is a lie straight from Satan. He's the chief of liars. He's the father's, father of lies. And I promise you, you have to realize that God, there's, it's not just a God of second chances. He's a God of like, you know, 770 chances. And um, we have to remember that. If you look, uh, you don't have to pull it up, but just to quote um, uh, uh, from a sermon that D.L. Moody did a long time ago, um, he summarizes verses 11 through 16 uh, of, of uh, chapter 34 there. And he says, notice the I wills of the Lord on behalf of the sheep. Because God's saying, as the true shepherd, as the good shepherd, I will search them and seek them out. I will deliver them. I will bring them out. I will gather them together. I will bring them in. I will feed them. I will cause them to lie down. I will bind up the broken. I will strengthen the sick. Like just... If you'll notice, sometimes in Scripture, God sounds like he's just repeating himself over and over and over. Um, and I think that's because we need to hear it <laughs> over and over and over. And so the thing that I really want us to leave with today is that um, he's going to shower us with these blessings. Now, sometimes we're so far removed Sometimes we're so in the middle of the struggle, uh, lost in our own head, uh, uh, that we can't, we're not even really seeing reality. And we don't realize the blessing that's around us. But, uh, so a lot of times it's like what, hindsight's twenty twenty. When we look back at our story, we look back at our journey, we see where God's blessing was there. We see where he was at work through it. And so even if you don't see the, the shower of blessing that's happening, it is happening. Um, and so I really wanted uh, Daryl uh, to come up and sing uh, Shower of Blessing. That's a neat old hymn. Um, and so he's going to come up and sing that. Uh, and then I have a, a few last things I want to say before we wrap it up today. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Showers of blessing, this is the promise of God. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling. But for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain, showers of blessing. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. 
There shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing. Come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling. But for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessing. Oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing. What now in Jesus we call? Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drop round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, if we but trust and obey. There shall be seasons refreshing. If we let God have his way, showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drop around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. I wish I could be one of those that gets to sing in the middle of their sermon, but thanks for pitching for me, because uh, you would, have, would not want me doing that. But that's such that last part. It says uh, there will be showers of blessing if we trust and obey. There shall be seasons refreshing if we let God have His way. So when the good shepherd is coming to find you, are you willing to go all the way back with him? Are you willing to let him? Continue to seek you and be there for you and not give up on you. I just, I can't stress enough that we would just allow ourselves um, to know that there's showers of blessings, even when we can't see it. Know that there's a loving Father who wants to bring us back to Him. Know that when we are afraid, He's there. That we, we don't have to be afraid of whatever our wilderness is, uh, whatever is um, the thing that keeps you up at night, makes you afraid to go to sleep. Um, the Lord's there. He's with us. Um, I share my story because of just to say that he's done that for me. He does it in his word. And I know he's going to, he wants to do that in you. Um, so as we have the uh, close, um, I just want to uh, just remind us, uh, that we would just never, never give in to the lies, never be, let ourselves be overwhelmed by the wilderness that surrounds us, um, the evil beasts that try to take us out, try to take our families out. Um, let us continue to just trust in him and uh, know that he is the good shepherd. So, I thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you.